we continue to think about uh, what weekend it is and we ponder the sacrifices made by others so that we have freedom. Um, this kind of came to mind while I was walking up here how we were reading through Mark, uh, studying through it, preaching through it. Sometimes we forget how much sacrifice these disciples and followers of Jesus, uh, how many sacrifices they made so we have what we have. Um, sometimes you have to be careful with this. I, it's very easy to get a Bible, isn't it, in uh, America, which is really nice. Uh, if you don't have one uh, of your own, we'll get you one. Uh, and that's because of the, uh, the graciousness, maybe sacrifice of people uh, in our congregation who donate so we can afford to give you one. <laughs> so I always think it's interesting. I give somebody a Bible, and they say, well, thank you for the Bible. And I'm like, I did not pay for it. Well, maybe a little, but just my little donation went in with everybody else's, you know, and, th and that. Uh, and But again, I I sometimes it's good to step back and say, you know, this was preserved through wars and evil, and yet now we have it. And it's all for the 2,000 years, evil's trying to get rid of this word, and now it's more, more widespread than it ever has been. Just can't stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, think about that. As these are somewhat, uh, for some, I guess, if you grew up in the church or these these may be parables you you know. Uh, uh, but when you come to it, uh, I, I encourage you to think about coming to the Bible as a as a relationship to some extent. You may meet with some people this weekend and and. and Fourth of July celebrations that you already know. And you might, I don't know if this happens to you, but I know people that tend to tell the same stories over and over and over again. Um, and sometimes, sometimes that's good because you might just learn something, but you get to be with them, right? And this is Jesus. These stories are going to be more living and active than some of the stories we might get from relatives and close friends. So as you read through this, think about that. We're going to read through these three different parables, one that's really unique to Mark, and just some of this you might already know, but I, I think if you let it, let the Spirit kind of just help you sit there with it, you might get to, to know God a little better uh, as, you, as you let him uh, uh, come into your heart. Uh, so he said to them, so right in the middle of this, he's telling these kingdom parables, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. So we, we know this one. I thought about trying to sing that song with the children, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess everything up with the song. Uh, you know, hide it under a bushel. No. You know, we could, you want to all sing it? We could do it. Uh, but but it, that really isn't the point of the parable, but it, it's, it's, it's a neat song. I think it's, it's really the, the lamp, I think, represents Jesus. Um, you go into John 8. He's the thing that's brought in or comes um, he's, he uses this, you get these great I am sayings in, in John, and he spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is your hope. This is the place that he's trying to get people to focus on. 
Uh, now, Jesus comes in, and we see this. We've been going through Mark and finding, they're trying to figure out who he is. A lot of people are today, too. Uh, and sometimes I think if we give them the whole, you know, truckload at once, it can mess them up. Uh, just let, let, them, uh, let them hear for a little bit. Let them understand. Because Jesus' light was veiled. I mean, you think about it, it, it in in. in Philippians 2 is kind of the, 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 what we call the kenosis, the, the emptying passages. It says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Uh, when he becomes, we celebrate that at Christmas, so the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If, if Jesus glowed the whole time he spoke, people would probably pay more attention to him, right? If he floated around, you know, and looked like God. Um, well, if he looked like God, they'd probably be on their bellies. But, uh, but it's veiled from people. Uh, they had to kind of figure it out. But it's going to become clear later. Uh, I have a picture in my office of Jesus between the seven golden lampstands. Uh, and he doesn't look like any Jesus you'd ever seen because isn't, he isn't described that way. If you go to Revelation, which we spent a lot of time in in uh, our Heaven series uh, a while back, uh, this is a picture of Jesus. Then I turn, this is John, uh, to see the voice that was me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Now, if that was the Jesus doing this parable, I think people will listen. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the way God decided to reveal himself. You know, most of it's through his words. Eventually, we, as, as it said, Paul tells us, you know, we, now we walk by faith, by trust in the evidence that we're given. Eventually, we'll walk by sight and we'll get to see this. And if you read on, John is a little bit scared. This is, this is something. I mean, uh, he's glowing. He's, it's just different. And I think we have to remember he's trying to get that to people. He's trying to get them to understand who he really is. Um, right now, it's kind of hidden from even his own followers. And that's kind of what Mark writes. We're trying to, they're trying to figure out it, who he is. But there's something about the process that helps. Um, you look at Peter, you read First Peter, and what a unbelievably deep theology and faith and commitment to Christ. He's the one that's kind of the, the information for this gospel. And you see what he does, and it's like he wasn't there yet. He's still trying to figure it out. God will not leave you orphaned. He had to go through this, and sometimes it takes time. You just have to be so careful in your own faith that you don't just want everything in a bucket at once. Sometimes it takes time to understand. We don't, I don't want you following a Jesus that's not real or a Jesus of your own making. They're out there. 
You got the the Jesus of winning every game. You got the Jesus of the chicken in every pot. The Jesus of a health the health making Jesus. The wealth making Jesus. The sage Jesus that kind of follows my political view and every other Jesus that you want. It's kind of the old adage. You've probably heard it. You know, God created man in His own image, and we'd be returning the favor ever since. We keep creating God in the image we want. And Jesus just smacks us. But I mean, I look at this and I'm like, can you just tell us that you're the light? What are you doing with this parable? Um, do you think Jesus knew what he was doing with these parables? Or should he, he have cleaned this up a little bit? You know, the utmost importance is to be careful hearers, to have spiritual perfect perception. You may not see this in here, but I'm pretty sure he has this a couple times. You ever, isn't it kind of weird? Like, I suppose I could do this to you. I could say every time I get ready to talk. Now listen up. If any of you have ears, hear. It's kind of odd, isn't it? What is he doing? Is this only for the eared people? It's this word, see, he's probably speaking in either Hebrew, probably Aramaic, which is a sister language. And he's probably using a word that we find in Deuteronomy. And it's the word Shema. Here. But it's not just here. You know, if you've had kids, or if you are one, you can hear, but you don't always listen. Right? And sometimes you don't even hear. It doesn't make any difference if I hear the word of God if I don't do anything about it or it doesn't make any difference in my life. And that Shema, it's, a, it's, it's hear and obey is really what he's saying. We had to learn this. It's the very first uh, line is in Deuteronomy 6. Shema, Israel, Elonai, Eloheinu, Elonai, Akkad. Now you know Hebrew. Isn't that cool? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then he goes on about how you're supposed to be obedient to him. That's where we get to, you know, have it on your foreheads and put it on your doorposts. Uh, it's, a, it's the key. So he's saying, Shema, listen and obey. Old Testament? Maybe, but no, me, him. He's making, this is a deity claim in some ways. Why do you think they're so mad at him already? These are good stories. He's making claims they don't like. But that's, he's saying, have spiritual perception. Make me first. So for us, the light is him, but we're supposed to shine too. You, you see that in, in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. Well, I thought he was the light of the world. How many lights do we have? This is this like a Christmas tree of lights? What's going on? A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Very similar to this part. But on a stand, and it gives light to the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So you'll look real bright? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's a reflective light. That's what makes sense, right? Maybe, I, I don't know if this is a good metaphor, but he's the sun, and we're like the moon. We just reflect it. Still gives light to other people. I hope Grace Church and the other faithful churches in Denison make a difference in the culture, that they light it up a little bit. I think we could be optimistic about that right, to some extent. 
So he's the lamp. If you don't have that, your light doesn't matter. You really don't have any. And what happens is the more one listens to and hungers for and studies his words, the more they will truly understand him. They get more under. He says that for those who have, it will be given more to you. And the one who doesn't, it will be taken away. So the one who seeks to know Jesus, they will get a better connection. Those who seek will find, and they'll get more. He just keeps, you know, cup overflows, right? This keeps coming. You're not going to exhaust your connection to God. But if you neglect this, it's going to go away. It gets stagnant. Scariest verse in the Bible. And then while I will declare to them, these are people who really aren't seeking to know God, but just doing things because they think they're supposed to, I guess. It's people who do things in Jesus' name, but they really don't know Jesus. Now, who knows that? I think Jesus. It's hard for us to know that, right? But this is Jesus speaking. I never knew you. That's why it's so scary. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But they were doing things in his name. What's the problem? They just don't know really who he is, and they haven't really surrendered themselves to him. Now, it's scary, but it's not hard. I mean, it's, you know, the gospel's pretty easy, right? Just your life is not your own. You give it to Jesus. It's very easy to understand. It's kind of hard to do. I'm pretty good at doing that until something I want to do doesn't necessarily line up with what he wants me to do. Then we go to a negotiation phase. I don't know, do you pray that way? Sometimes I'm like, do you really understand what's going on here? I guess maybe we can't get rain, but if I keep saying things like that, we'll probably get lightning. Be careful. So that parable helps us. Then he gives us a couple parables about farming, about about the kingdom of God, but these are about things that seeds, I guess, were going. So we got a growing seed parable, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Only Mark has this parable, which is kind of interesting, because Mark's the shortest of the four Gospels. It relates how the kingdom grows, that the farmer can plant it and find suitable ground, but he can't make the seed grow. And you guys all know that, right? I mean, people who plant, like we've got some farmers in here. It's like, yeah, you know, if you do a certain thing, it grows, but how does that seed do that? I mean, if I put a dollar in the ground, we'll grow more dollars. It's called a dollar tree. <laughs> What's in that seed? It's kind of interesting. You, I mean, you look like a corn seed, you know. You look at those seeds. I mean, it just looks like a little yellow rock. But there's life in there somehow. He's got to have some water and some dirt, which reminds me of a joke that I probably shouldn't, no, I think this is a good one. Um, there was a contest 
You had the scientists that said he can make things grow. And you have God over here who says he could too. So God comes and he gets some dirt and he gets a seed and they're ready to go. And the scientist comes and he gets some dirt and he gets a seed and they're ready to go. And then God turns him and said, get your own dirt. I like that one. <laughs> this is kind of what this is talking about. It's God gives the growth. It's obviously not necessarily about seeds, but it all by itself it does this. You know, it doesn't mean we're not taking care of it. It illustrates that the church must proclaim the gospel so that God's kingdom will spread, but it's the Holy Spirit alone changes hearts. Our job is obediently plant and garden, which you learned last week. I'll rhetorically ask this because I know y'all don't like to have participatory sermons, but you know, well, how many of you are planters and how many of you are gardeners? It's the only two choices. You know, I had three people tell me this last week that they were just so happy that God was happy them being a gardener. And I'm like, well, I think that's cool. You found your place. You know, once in a while maybe you'll get the plant too. I don't know, but focus on the gardening. Be a good disciple try to help other people be good disciples. And if God gives you a chance to plant something, go ahead and do it. But quit beating yourself up and try to be a good disciple. And be ready. I think that's okay. So the Holy Spirit changes the heart. I've heard people, I'm really big in apologetics if you've been in one of my Bible, I'm trying to defend the faith, the arguments for God, the moral argument, the ontological argument, the cosmological argument, all these, I really think it's cool. And, and people say, well, you can't argue somebody into heaven. I think that's true. I think that's what B says there. But you know what? Well, you can't nice one somebody into it either. You know, some of the nicest people have the worst theology and don't know Jesus from Adam. And I don't think it's bad if you have somebody in your sphere of influence that, that needs uh, some grace, some Christian mercy and help that you do that. I'm not telling you not to do that. But you can be as nice as you want to, and still the Spirit's the only one that's going to change their heart. We do what we can. We get to participate, which is kind of a privilege anyway. So yeah, I can argue about whether or not morality comes from God or evolution in my driveway. Yeah, maybe if you gave them an apple pie, they might listen to you more. But God can use them both. Use what you're wired to do, I guess. Verse 29 is really referring to the end times, I think, because you see this sickle thing. If you see sickle, you're thinking pretty much end times. Um, it's where we get the term the grim reaper. Yeah. There's, and, that, and often it is about non-believers. You go to Joel, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Well, that sounds cool. Go in, tread for the wine press is full, the vats overflow for their evil is great. Uh-oh. This was not the harvest I was thinking. I thought this was going to be a fun sermon. You know, eventually the harvest comes, and, and, and Jesus talks about that. You know, you think about it, if, if it's possible, if it's true that everybody goes to heaven, which is out there, if it's true that it doesn't really matter what you do, God loves you, just don't worry about it, then Jesus went to a lot of trouble. I went, yeah, the cross, my golly. Why do that if everything's already okay? The cross screams there's a problem. 
and I'm the solution, Jesus says. So I think this parable helps us. And then the mustard seed one. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? Is it like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth? Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many parables, he spoke the word to them and they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So the mustard seed. Now you probably heard it, it may be in your study Bibles, that technically the mustard seed is not the smallest seed. But can we just give Jesus a break and realize this is not about botany? I don't think that's the point. Um, well, Jesus didn't know. I think he probably knew. Um, and I, I thought mustard was in the yellow things. I didn't even know there was a seed. And the ketchup comes in the red one, right? It's not that hard. How big is a ketchup seed anyway? I mean, the mustard seeds are, well, anyway, I digress. So it's the smallest seed as audience probably we're familiar with, but when it grows, that is the point. The point of this kingdom of God parable here is the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It has insignificant and weak beginnings, but it will be great and powerful. You think about, they start getting people here. He feeds 5,000 plus here. He feeds about 4,000 here. People, he goes into eventually into the triumphal entry and crowds are everywhere and thousands of people like Jesus and we get to the cross and one of the 12 show up. His mom and a couple other women. That is a small seat. And even, you know, the, the guys, it's, it's just they're in there, you know, we, get, we do that during Holy Week. We talk about, you know, they're in the room and they're all scared and seems almost clueless. They still quite haven't figured out who he is. That, my friends, is a mustard seed. And that happens in our own lives too, doesn't it? We sometimes forget uh, that some, if, you're, if you're a new believer, you'll keep working at it trusting in God that he will be there for you. Let him grow in you and just do those things that he told you to do. You know, it's not complicated. We can do all kinds of things at churches. We could probably get more people here if we wanted to give everybody 10 bucks for coming or something, I don't know. Or maybe a pie. Or 10 bucks and a pie. But really, it comes down to the things you see this in Acts 2. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to worship? <laughs> Respond to God for what he's done? Thank him? You're supposed to study his word? Apostles teaching? You're supposed to pray. And you're supposed to serve others. And him. It's a 2,000-year-old formula that works pretty well. <laughs> it gets dressed up different, but that's the key. And that it will grow. It's it's has it, in your own heart. It can be insignificant at first, but it, it it will grow if you cultivate it. And then by God's grace, sometimes we mess up royally, and He's still there. Right? I think that's the coolest. One of the coolest. The grace is is so wonderful that we don't just get into the family through grace. By grace, you are saved. We 
we live as part of the family by grace, you know. Because I know some of you people, you know, you can be annoying. But God doesn't care about that. He cares about knowing me. He cares about relating to you. And I really don't think he thinks you're that annoying. I really think he really loves you. It's not just, well, I got to. <laughs> that doesn't work well, does it? I got, you know, I got to love that person. Well, that's not real. He, I think he really wants to. He sees the part of you that maybe other people don't see, the part that really has a heart to want to follow him, the part that was created in his image, the part that has this great potential that Jesus is talking about that maybe just looks like a seed right now. So the power of God's kingdom is certainly present and visible in this world. We see it. We pray for it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a powerful prayer. Be careful when you pray that. Don't just say it. Do you really want it? Well, I want the good parts of the kingdom, the parts I like. But what about the parts I may not? But God walks through with us. The full power is not going to be coming to the future. You can read Revelation 21 when the new heaven and the new earth come together and all the pain and sin and sorrow and death is gone. That still is the main promise. So all of us, we're, we're true followers of Jesus. We're to re reflect on him in their lives. And these, these help us do that. You know, why parables? Well, there's lots of reasons, but I, well, I can't guarantee you this, but I'm guessing that if you, wherever you eat in the next, you're probably going to think about mustard a little bit differently. <laughs> There's probably a lot of mustard that's consumed in the next three days. And who knew it came from seeds? But again, it's, hopefully that makes you think of Jesus. And does that mean you had to put the hot dog down and go, you know, say three, our fathers, and read a bunch of, yeah, if you want, but maybe you can just think about Jesus while you enjoy the hot dog with your family and your friends and the fireworks. That That's okay. Don't put Jesus outside your normal life. He's not as boring as we make him out to be. I know sometimes on the page he looks a little wooden, but he's not a page. He's personal. With the personality and, and emotions and hope and as we know, power. Uh, but remember, there's no teaching of Jesus where our faith is to remain hidden. Now, you've got to use wisdom here. I'm not advocating for you to go to the, in the, the town square of Tehran and say, Jesus, follow Jesus, because then you will, your light will be hidden for a while. Be careful of that. You've got to be wise. The, the disciples were wise. I mean, Paul didn't get carried out or get lowered in a, a basket in Damascus because he, he was trying to hide his light. He got lowered in Damas or a basket in Damascus because he didn't want to get killed, which was wise. So be, but again, how we live, we continue. We are live by the spirit that he gives us. That's the key. So these parables are trying to help us and focus us on being an integral and committed part of his kingdom. That's the key. 
When we say his kingdom come, his will be done, that means is he your king today? Is he the one that rules your life? And what parts of my life do I need to submit? Keep learning his word. Keep worshiping. Keep using your God-given gifts. I look around here. Some of you I don't know as well, but I know God's gifted you. And that may be for our local church. It may be for something greater than that. I don't know. But I hope that each one of us can help cultivate that and find it. Find those wonderful gifts that he's given you. Because you want your lives now to be part of God's kingdom, here and now. Get that down. And maybe everything we do, which kind of sums up the heaven series that we had before, everything we do really is a preparation for the coming eternal kingdom of God. May you do things this holiday weekend that last forever for him. Let's pray. Father, these parables are so three-dimensional, so deep sometimes we think we know them and we read them again and they touch our hearts and we know why because your son who is God taught them and your spirit who is God helps us understand them and touches our hearts in the way only he can we thank you for that may each one here remember that they are a child of God if they call your son their savior thank you for that privilege of being part of the family May we always thank you for the privilege of calling you Father. Amen.